I'd like to welcome everyone to another episode of the London Lyceum, where we try to encourage our listeners to think deeply and clearly about issues, particularly theological issues. I'm one of your hosts, Jordan Stefaniak. And I'm your other host, Brandon Askew. And uh, the good news is I didn't forget to introduce us this time, though I seem to have done that in some previous episodes. Uh, anyway, today we are answering a listener request uh, discussing the regulative principle. Uh, so we got a request in, which I really enjoy getting requests from listeners to, to talk about certain issues. I think that's cool. Uh, so we wanted to, I guess, just do that for them. Um, now, the unfortunate thing is, I think I've realized we're recording this on today's Thursday. Um, I noticed the Nine Marks podcast dropped an episode on Tuesday on the regulative principle. So let's just be honest. Uh, Dever and Lehman are probably better than us. I listened to the first 10 minutes, didn't get to finish the whole thing because I realized it on my way to recording this. Um, so I'm going to link to that in the episode notes. So go listen to that. It's probably better than ours. But maybe we have a few different things that they don't have, uh, and hopefully that's useful. So before we jump into, I guess, the definition of the regulative principle, I wanted to give my background, my theological background, just to kind of set the stage for my own thinking on this issue. Uh, So I grew up in a contemporary-type church context. So if you're familiar with guys like Andy Stanley and Rick Warren, that's kind of my, uh, I guess— you know, when middle and high school age, that's the church context I'm in. Uh, when I graduated high school, I kind of transitioned to more to a Stephen Furtick um, crazy type of church context. You know, Brandon's laughing at me, but whatever. Um, and then I transitioned into being confessional, which is what I'm, I am now. So pretty much until senior year of college, my thoughts on church Uh, worship experiences, and I use the word experience because that's the word they use. Uh, Anything goes, concerts, lights, fog, drama, video, whatever it is, think of the coolest thing you can think of and you want to put it in there. So for example, a pastor at the church I served at once uh, during college told me uh, they played the music style they do primarily because, well, they like that style of music. And uh, I guess another example would be Perry Noble. He always pushed this idea of the church should be more creative than Disney. (laughs) So that's the context I'm coming from. I'm no longer in that camp. I'm in a very different camp. And we'll discuss these two approaches to public worship uh, in a moment. But I'll let Brandon, I guess, give his own background if he has any. Yeah, I mean, I don't have uh, as much to say. Um, my church backgrounds, uh, I came from a traditional Southern Baptist background, so um, the church was certainly not self-consciously regulative in its uh, worship, but uh, I guess everything that you would have seen on an average Sunday morning would have been um, revolved around preaching and singing. There might have been some interpretive dances or something like that every now and then after youth, youth camp, but... Um, yeah, so I don't have, uh, the crazy Disney stories and light shows and everything else that Jordan does, but, uh, nevertheless, this is an important topic and, uh, I have, as I've become more familiar with, uh, confessionalism and Baptist confessionalism to be more specific, um, this idea of the regular principle is something that I have thought a little bit about, but not too much. So I thought we could start with the, um, 1689 confession and see what it says, Uh, about worship, and this will be in uh, chapter 22, uh, paragraph 1. It says, 
Uh, but the acceptable way of worshiping the true God is instituted by himself and so limited by his own revealed will that he may not be worshiped according to the imagination and devices of men, nor the su suggestions of Satan under any visible representations or any other way not prescribed in the Holy Scriptures. So basically that's the idea behind the regular principle of worship is that our worship is bound to what is revealed in God's word. We're not free to go doing our own thing and using our imagination. Yeah, I think that's right. So I think the key idea is limited by his own revealed will. Uh, whatever God has divinely sanctioned in the scriptures is how we are to publicly worship. So a couple of scriptural examples of this. Uh, for me, I think the key one is De Deuteronomy 12, 32. Uh, which says, everything that I command you, you shall be careful to do. You shall not add to it or take from it. Now, uh, the key, I think, there is just the idea that it's not you don't add and you don't take away. So whatever God has commanded in the scriptures, that's how we are to publicly worship. We don't create our new, way, new ways to worship. You've got the classic Nadab and Abihu scenario where they do this strange fire to try to uh, worship God. But they, the Lord had not commanded that, so he strikes them down. I think that's a pretty clear example that he takes worship pretty seriously, mm -hmm. um, and we are supposed to worship in the ways that he has commanded. So we are not given the opportunity to to worship in ways that he didn't command. So we'll get in. I guess we'll we'll get into that in a little bit. I, since we're just talking more about the definition of what the regulative principle is, we'll get into the alternative after we kind of flesh this regulative principle out a little more. I think another text you might go to is Exodus 20, 4 to 6, where it's talking about not making an image or a likeness uh, of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath, um, and not to bow down to it. Because I think the idea is you're not supposed to make an idol. I, I, you can't create your own thing to worship me, uh, worship me in the way that I, I have prescribed in my own revelation. So I think this regulates public worship, and mm -hmm. I don't think it's about your everyday life or your overall theological interpretations. Uh, so it's it's not as if you can't worship God by other means um, in your own private life or in your own what, external life outside of public worship, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. And that actually leads right into a, a quote that I wanted to read from uh, Jonathan Lehman, who you mentioned earlier. This is on the Nine Marks website. Um, this is what he had to say. He says, Christians are surely free to worship God in any number of ways, including with incense and finger paint. This is something that he <laughs> is a joke. He's referencing back to his uh, introduction. Then he says, but as soon as a church places something in its order of service, it is effectively requiring all of its members to worship God in that way. It's like the difference between choosing to abstain from alcohol yourself and requiring every member of your church to abstain from al alcohol. Christians must bind themselves to a church. This is why churches must not bind the Christian or the Christian's conscience where the Scripture does not bind it. And everything we write in a church's order of service effectively mandates how a Christian worships God in the assembly. Yeah, so the idea is we don't want to require others to worship in certain ways. Right. Um I, you know, I personally may find, you know, cool Bible videos to worship and glorify God. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. But I don't want to institute that in my public worship where people are required to attend and force them to worship in that way uh, when they might object to it for various reasons. 
So in a way, this is, uh, I guess, freeing up our the people in our church to worship in, in a pure and way that's not going to bind their consciences. So a question I think is useful here at this point is just what is the point of public worship? What are we ultimately doing? And, and is extravagant worship with lights and cameras and actions and all these things necessary to fully worship God? I don't think so. So I, I've got this quote from Matt Emerson. I think it's in his book on the descent, which we interviewed uh, a couple weeks ago, however long ago it was, his episode came out. Great episode. You should go back and listen to it. Get his book. He says this, worship is repeated rhythmic. It consists of a set of practices that shape and form us in embodied ways. So that, I think, is getting at the core of what worship is. So if we institute things that um, people might that aren't prescribed in the Scripture, we are going to be repeating these practices and shaping and forming them in certain ways that simply aren't authorized by God, which I think is is problematic. Um, of course, this doesn't regulate the form and the circumstance. What I mean by that is form is something like written versus extemporaneous prayers. I don't think the regulative principle speaks to that. I don't think it tells you, you you're required to read your prayers or you're required to just Sit, recite them off the cuff, right. um, nor do I think it impacts the circumstance such as the actual time of your service. I don't think there's a prescribed, you must worship at 9.30 a.m., and if you do it 9.31 a.m., then you are in violation of the regulative principle. I don't think it's that strict. So as far as a succinct definition... But I, you would say that it's specific enough to where you have to worship on Sunday and not Saturday? Yeah, I would, yeah. because of the Sabbath. I just which we both we both personally agree the Sabbath command is a perpetual command it's a moral command it shifts from Saturday to Sunday from old to new covenant um, but it remains in perpetuity and there are I just the only reason I bring that up is because there are a number of churches who 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 worship on Saturday yeah and I, you know so I, I think that's really yeah, no for, my brother's church I don't think he's at this church anymore but it did they met only on Saturday night mm. uh and I obviously have theological objections to that because I think the scriptures tell us that Sunday is the day of public worship. It's not that you can't meet on Saturday night, in addition, right? in my mind. You know, if you want to do that on Saturday night, go for it. But to say that that is your primary and only uh, public means of worship, I think is problematic on other theological grounds. So definition, I would say regular principle just kind of says this, since public worship is public and God has revealed ways to worship him, we only worship him in those ways divinely commanded or necessarily implied. Uh, to worship him with other means risks improper worship of God and the binding and wounding of consciences. Yeah. So we can then we can return back to the to the sixteen eighty nine again, um, to which has given us a list of those things that the scriptures do prescribe. So this would be um, chapter twenty two and paragraph five. The reading of the scriptures, preaching and hearing of the word of God, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in our hearts to the Lord, as also um, the administration of baptism and the Lord's Supper are all parts of religious worship of God to be performed in obedience to him with understanding, faith, reverence, and godly fear. Moreover, solemn humiliation with fastings, thanksgivings upon special occasions ought to be used in a holy and religious manner. So there, the, the, the 1689 and also other confessions is giving us a, a particular list of those things 
that the Bible says this is how God expects you to worship publicly. So we preach the scriptures, we read the scriptures, we sing, um, we sing as a congregation. These are that we pray. These are the things that that God has told us should comprise our our worship as the assembled people of God. Yeah. So I mean, all of these are exemplified in the scriptures. They all have warrant yeah. for their practice. Uh, there's no warrant for other types of practices. So in a way, this is a conservative way of worshiping, which I think is probably the best route. I mean, if if Hebrews is true, it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of a living God, What a, then it seems it's a fearful thing to worship God improperly. So I think if we take God seriously, um, then we should be careful to only worship him in the ways he's told us. Uh, venturing out in other interpretive ways of worshiping uh, is in danger of Falling into the hands of living God. I'm not saying, I mean, you know what I'm saying. And I'm not even, and I don't even really know what the payoff is for doing it in these other ways. I, I, I well, guess, I uh, guess it's going to be, are we going to get to that? Yeah, we'll get to that. Okay. Cause All right. I, I mean, I was kind of like nurtured in that. So I feel like I've got a good oh, okay. understanding right. yeah. of what the payoff is. Cause you I, can, I you bought can, into it. You can tell, you can tell me that. Yeah. Um, so that said, regulative principle just says you have to do what's required. Uh, you don't, ha- and nothing more besides that is required. So Sunday worship, we talked about that's required. Uh, midweek service, not required. Yeah. And I don't think small groups are required either. We'll, we'll go through a couple examples. And that's, you know, this is, that's just to touch on that. So I, I um, led a, a new members or a prospective membership class uh, at our church. And this is exactly what I told the people in that meeting. I said, you know, these are and actually shout out to, um, Connor, I actually got this from him, but he he offered in his new members class uh, a list of expectations and then a list of encouragements. So those things under expectations are the things that we can say, that we can look at the Bible and and we can, I can basically bind your conscience through scripture and saying that this will be expected of you. But then these other things are just encouragements. So this is what I told him. I said that Sunday worship is an expectation that you are here on the Lord's day to gather with this local congregation, but I can't say that we expect you to be here on a Wednesday night Bible study or for a community group. That is just something that you're free to do, and we would love for you to do it, but I cannot look at the Bible and say, well, if you're not doing this, you're not a member in good standing at our church. Yeah. And, and that's a huge distinction that you have to make, I yeah, think. And I, I think what what we do when we follow the regulative principle, I think we've mentioned it a couple of times, is we make a freer church and we avoid binding consciences. So there's a, I think there's a couple benefits of the regulative principle, really. You're avoiding potentially worshiping God improperly, which is a big deal. Mm-hmm. You're avoiding binding people's consciences, which I think is a big deal. And you're ultimately creating a freer, more simple uh, worship. Ex- worship. Uh, you almost said it. I know. I almost worship said experience. experience. I caught myself. <laughs> Old habits die hard, right? Right. Yeah, they do, I guess. <laughs> so why don't we get into some objections to the regular principle? All right. And so, I, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, just, I think the key objection is the alternative position, mm-hmm. which is the normative principle. So you have the regular principle, which we've been talking about, and you have the normative principle, which says... Anything not prohibited by Scripture is fair game for worship. Uh, I mean, I've heard thousand variations of of this, but I think Craig Groeschel and a couple other people that you know used to be my homeboys. I used to listen to all their podcasts all the time. Uh, just being honest with you, um, they would say all the time, 
We will do anything except sin to reach the lost. So that means if we need to bring the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders onto the stage, or I guess whoever this dude at this SBC conference is that's got like Game of Thrones thing on his stage, will do whatever it takes to reach the lost. Which, and there's also there's the story of the the uh, the baptistry that had the fire truck on it and the confetti and everything that came out for children to be baptized. Do you, do, have you heard about that? No, I didn't hear about that. Yeah. So let me let me. This is in a uh, an article by uh, Jeff Robinson on the Founders website. It says. Uh, years ago, one ba- one massive Baptist church installed a baptismal pool in the shape of a fire truck, complete with red paint and lights. Though it, though it has since been removed, the baptistry was specifically designed for baptizing children who made a profession of faith. When a young one emerged from the uh, underwater during baptism, streamers and confetti sh- streamed skyward from the small pool, and the truck's lights flashed with two alarm uh, luminosity. The pastor said. This unsubtle device was installed to make baptism more palatable and interesting to children. So there's another example, and because you know you're not going to be able to open up your Bible and and it's going to say you can't uh, worship God through baptizing in a fire truck baptistry. No, you're right, and, so. I, and it reminds me of having Ed Young Jr. Didn't he like bring a tank on stage or something one time? Well, he made like a basketball court on stage. Oh, that's He's right. I forgot all about the basketball stuff. court. Yeah. Um, anyway, the. I th- I honestly think um, for most of these people that this motive is a pure and good motive and they're just not aware of the theological uh, framework and ramifications of what they're saying. So yeah. I honestly think they're saying, most of them anyway, are saying, I really do want to reach lost people, so I'm going to gear my worship service towards them in a way that's going to bring them in and do whatever it takes to convince them to raise their hand or whatever it is. Uh, obviously, I have lots of theological problems and objections to their methodology, but I think that's most of them. It's a genuine desire to see the lost saved. But uh, I think Terry Johnson gets at this really well. He says, since church members are a captive audience, church officials may require them to do only that which Scripture requires that they do. Again, as we've said before, your church members on a Sunday service are a captive required audience. If we require them to worship via a basketball game, we are probably violating a significant number of their consciences. And if we're not, uh, because it probably isn't violating a lot of their church members' consciences if they're at that type of church, you are potentially and probably violating God's own revealed word, I think. Because yeah. uh, as we've talked about, uh, Nadab and Abihu, they worshiped in a way that was unauthorized. It wasn't uh, as if God said, do not offer this type of fire. He never said that. They just thought, well, you know, you've given me all these these different ways to worship you. I'm going to add something. And I think that's what they're doing with this basketball goal and tanks and fire trucks or whatever. They're adding something. There's no pro- prohibition that says no fire trucks. Yeah, but um, God is not pleased with that, in, in my understanding of the scriptures and the way that I think the confession lays it out for us. Yeah, but it is. I mean, you know, it's difficult. There are, I guess, gray areas because there's no, you know, you're not. You're also not going to open up the Bible and it give you a very detailed prescription of what baptism exactly is supposed to look like. Like, is it supposed to only be in 
a lake or should it be can you have a baptistry in your church but i think it's to me it just seems like more of like what is the mindset behind like i don't i don't think having like a a a baptistry in your church is like doing something that is intentionally trying to as this pastor put it make baptism more palatable but i think making it a fire truck baptistry is going out of bounds even though I'm not going to be able, I it's even it's hard for me now to even articulate why it's wrong. It just seems absurd. Yeah, and I don't. And some, I mean, I, I realize that's not an argument, but I don't know uh, it, what is the mindset behind what you're doing and and why you're doing it uh, in in a worship service. I mean, that's a question I think we all need to ask ourselves. Yeah, and I think another objection to the regulative principle along the lines of the normative principle is I've heard this one a thousand times too. Um, Methods change while principles remain. So we are committed to Jesus' commands, but everything else is still on the table. As long as we don't sin, we're good. Um, But I've got to ask, what if that method is actually prescribed in Scripture? And the reality is methods are not neutral things. Mm -hmm. So if you try to do some weird video communion, you are losing a significant element of what the Eucharist is supposed to mean. Uh, And you are gaining an individualistic experience. So the method is not free to change. Uh, Video sermon loses and adds certain aspects as well. You lose eye contact. You add uh, the ability to rewind and replay things. So, I mean, I think it's methods are not neutral things that you can just simply say, well, I can change any method as long as the principle's there. I, I don't think that makes sense. A lot of methods are enshrined in Scripture. so And maybe that is what makes the, the fire truck baptistry wrong is because it's manipulative and that in and of itself is sinful. Like, yeah, to, to manipulate the manipulation. these children into wanting to be baptized. Like that goes against the scriptural practice of what exactly we're doing in baptism. I don't know, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm think thinking on the fly so, here about that. But cause it, the fire truck thing bothers me. But <laughs> obviously, I guess you can tell. So along the lines of the fire truck, why don't we go through just a couple examples, and we can just say this violates the regulative principle or it doesn't. Um, so what about Christmas decorations? Oh boy, I know you've got a soft spot for them. Now, if it were. If it were up to me at my church, which it's not up to me, we would not have any Christmas decorations. Um, so I don't have an answer about if it violates the regular <laughs> principle, but I don't like them. I, I don't have a problem with them personally. I, I don't see how you're required to worship with them. It's just a decoration on the side. Right. Um, I, I don't think. And that's that is, that's a, I get, you know, you know, and just, I guess that that's an important point you had to make. Like, this is about worship. It's not just about like what the inside of your building looks like or, or whatever else. Like, but but again, baptism is worship, yeah. which which makes that an important thing. But anyhow, I'm so, not going to get back on the fire train. So, what about movie clips during your sermon? I say I say that's that's a violation. That's a no. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, we visited a church when we moved here, and of course, the first Sunday, video clip right in the middle of it, and it just kind of like it really turned me and my wife off. And we're like. I don't feel comfortable with this. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think we both agree violation. What so, about like secular songs to open up your worship experience? 
I'm, I'm against that too. Yeah. yeah, me too. My dad, oh man, all the time. He's like, I don't know if he's listening, but if he is, he, he's told me a thousand times. I've apparently a lot of people have told me a thousand times things. I keep saying that, but he loves the secular song at the beginning because it drops the unbelievers guard or something like that. And I think there are theological, um, I guess, reasons for him thinking that. Except for Sunday morning is not about the unbeliever. Yeah, I agree. It's about the people of God assembling to worship. And I also think conversion is not about, you know, playing secular songs to get people to feel safe. Right. Um, I think the Holy Spirit is the one who's doing all that work, and he doesn't need a secular song to make it happen. Agreed. What do you think about microphones? I don't have a problem with that. I don't think microphones are really like an aspect of worship. It's just amplifying your voice. Yep. So lyrics on a projector or hymn books? Yeah, I don't have a problem with either of those, honestly. Um, It's just, I I mean, I guess the projector thing can get a little fuzzy. Yeah. Personally, I mean, I I don't know. I, I, I don't. Oh, never mind. I'm not even going to open up that can of worms. I'm not doing it. Sorry. Okay. I'm going to skip over to what about baby dedications? Yeah, I think that's, I don't, that's a no for me. That it's a yes for me. I think Matthew, what is it? Matthew 16. Uh, let the children come to me uh, and he blesses them. Jesus. I think that is not a warrant for infant baptism, but a warrant for baby dedications. Hmm. I will have to think that's about that more. That's my opinion. Okay. Noted. Um, so I think that there is warrant uh, for them. Um, I put in ordination. <laughs> I think you already know how I feel about that. I, I I do not think ordination. Well, let me say this. I I don't think ordination is like a thing, and I certainly don't think. Uh, I don't. I, if it is a thing, I don't even think it's a thing. But if it is a thing, it's a it's a local church thing. It should not be like a I'm ordained you know, by such and such denomination. And then that, that ordination carries from church to church. Um, so but, it depends on how you define it and what your ecclesiological stance is. Yeah. If you think it has warrant. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be like, so if I took your position on it, uh, where it's just a local church matter, there is no denominational body who has this. I would still say I'm not offended or as much about that as I am offended about movie clips during your sermon. Because I think Mm -hmm. I can see how you get to your theological rationale with something like that versus movie clips, which seems way more a part of worship than ordination is. Right, yeah, for sure. Um, What about special music? I know a lot of churches in the South do this. Yeah, we have have special music at our church. And I mean, the music is fine. Um, I, I just would like, let me just say, I would like to see all of our churches focus more on congregational singing versus um, one or three people, you know, standing up on the stage uh, singing while everybody else is kind of taking it in as a performance. Yeah, I don't Um, see concerts as an idea in the scriptures as far as what you should worship with. But if anybody's listening from my church... has nothing to do with you or your talent or me <laughs> liking to hear you sing or anything else. This is just how I feel about uh, the need for us to sing as one body and one voice to the Lord. So. so two more quick ones, and then we'll wrap this up. 
thoughts on the church calendar. And by the church calendar, I mean like the, you know, there's hmm. um, Christmas season, you have Lent, you so have like Ascension, all that. yeah, all that stuff. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? I don't have a problem with it as long as you don't require it. So you can't make it a part of the worship service, right? <sighs> so then you, then Advent would be out in the Christmas season. <sighs> That's a good question. I don't know. I didn't think about that. Now I'm here on the spot and I don't I don't have a good answer. So I'm going to uh, we can punt that. No yeah, I'm going to punt that and let you listeners comment and tell me what's right because uh, I know a lot of you probably have feel all the feels about it. Uh, our our friends at Baptist the Center for Baptist Renewal are pro it, and probably our friends who are like the 1689 in their bio are against it. <laughs> I would imagine. Yep, that's probably right. I'm somewhere right. in the middle, so you know, find me a team. Anyway, last one, Pro-Life Sunday. I think this is something that just depends on like how it actually manifests itself during the worship service, right? So um, you could, on Pro-Life, and maybe you're aiming at something that I'm not even answering, but like on a Pro-Life Sunday, if your sermon is around, uh, you know, what the Bible says about the meaning of life and, and things like that, then well, I don't think there's, obviously, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But if, you're doing other things to, you know, promote this pro-life message that are not um, rooted in Scripture. Then it would be just like anything else. I think a violation. So, I yeah, I guess that one pro- pretty much is the same as the church calendar, in my opinion. I don't really know yeah. what to say about it. So, I think this hopefully is helpfully explained the differences: regulative versus normative principle. I used to be a normative guy. Now I'm a regulative guy. Um, and I think the key distinction is simply uh, about the fact that this is about public worship. Um, is this element an actual part of your Sunday worship service? Are people forced to worship with it? And if so, um, if they're forced to do it, if it's not found in the scriptures uh, explicitly or by good and necessary consequence, then it is a violation of the regulative principle. Uh, it does become a gray area at, at certain points. So you have to kind of like, I guess, lean into overall theological intuition. But uh, and, and I think another thing we have to think about this too is you, know, you have to think through this whole question within the context of your local church. So, you, you, you know, you don't go home and you know, read a book about regular principle and you become convinced and then you you just go start burning stuff down at your church the next Sunday like um, I think there's just like any other um, change that you're trying to make in your church or any other reformation you know sometimes that's time consuming and you know you have to take a lot of things into account about how you go about making the changes I'm not saying don't make changes because you think you might ruffle some feathers but the way you go about it does matter and I think that's something we should all yeah, I know one thing, like, you know, probably a lot of people have had examples of, like, having an American flag in the front. They think that's a violation somehow of the regulative principle, mm-hmm. or it's just, you know, they feel uncomfortable with it, period. So I know a lot of stories about people moving those and older congregants losing their minds. So you, you've got to think pastoral wisdom here uh, about helping people to think through these issues well and, and loving people more than you love your own theological system. Yeah. Um, you know, not saying that you should love people more than you love God. I, I think you understand the difference here of shepherding people in the right direction and in, in a loving way, in a caring way. Yeah. So that's the regulative principle in a nutshell. Uh, 
if you've got questions, if you've got feedback, if you've got objections, if you've got other reasons to support it, other ways to explain it, we'd love to hear them. Uh, give us a shout out, either Twitter, Facebook. Uh, I created an Instagram recently. I haven't posted on it yet. I need to. I'm not a cool Instagram per influencer yet, so I'm figuring it out. Uh, that said, we love your feedback. Give us a shout out on, on one of those platforms. Twitter's where we're most active, I think. Um, but again, you've been listening to the only an- analytic Baptist confessional podcast on the planet, uh, and we hope to uh, catch up with you soon. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.